2: It's bring your wife to work day. Which I don't think is an actual thing. I don't know how many votes you would get if that was like a democratically. Proposed.
3: I would vote I would vote
2: against it. <laughs> See at my workplace you can work from home, but a lot of people don't work from home just so that they can right, 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 not right, be at right, right. Yeah, right, home. Right. Well, here at uh, Twin Cities News Talk, one oh three five FM AM eleven thirty, we uh, we do bring our wives to work, or at least I do. Kerry Hudson in the house. My name is Walter Hudson. Closing argument, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com and your iHeartRadio app. And catch up on the podcast at Spreaker.com and your Spreaker app, 651-989-5855, the number to join us if you feel so inclined. Brad Omlin, Taking your calls, producing the show. Neil Lynch also in studio with us tonight. We just got a party going on here mm-hmm. on a Friday evening. So
3: mm-hmm. The... Mm-hmm. <sighs> mm-hmm. <Sorry. laughs> there
2: you go. That's <laughs> music by DJ Neil.
3: <laughs> That's right.
2: DJ Playa with it. G-
3: Playa DJ Playa tonight. That's right.
2: So one of the reasons we've talked for a while, Carrie, about having you on. Uh, At various times. And it was, first of all, I should say that the reason this is even possible, this is not something that could normally happen. No. The only reason this is possible is because our kids are out of town with Mm -hmm. the grandparents Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that opens up all sorts of possibilities in terms of being able to live like actual adults for a little while. And even though there was no real reason to, to, well, there was a reason. We're going to get into that. But there was, this was an opportunity to do it that would not have otherwise presented itself. So I was like, you got to come in. You got to come in. So here you are. But we did – we had talked at various times about if we were going to have you on, what would we talk about? And the thought that came to my mind was in the aftermath of the election, there has been these stories that have come out of people getting divorced, long-term relationships ending, uh, domestic violence, police being called to people's houses – over politics over the uh, the election and who voted for who and whether or not you support something or don't an issue a person, whatever the case may be, and as I recall it, and you may have a different version of this memory, but as I recall it, when we started out somewhat fifteen years ago, is that roughly correct? <laughs>
4: 15, 15 16 15 16 years If you ago. could only
3: see the looks that are being
4: traded across <laughs> Yes, the if this table. was television. 16 June 25th.
2: There you go. All right. So, when we started out, that was not and I'm not just talking about us specifically, although we can't get into us specifically, but amongst our circle of friends, this was not something you heard of, like people ending their relationships over who voted for who or what position you held on a particular it might be a reason why you didn't try to date somebody in the first place that's right but if you were already dating somebody and you discovered or an election came and went and they voted for the other person i don't recall that being something that that upset the balance of things do you
4: i don't know i i just think this is more of an issue of the ridiculousness of our society right now this is where we're at as a society that people will tear apart families because a certain (laughs) because they don't like a person's opinion about a certain thing. I mean, I've seen people having screaming matches, you know, in yeah. our own family about. These oh, things. really?
2: Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> we
4: want to get into all that. No, we're not going to. Yeah, well, I
2: think I might be. Now that I think about it, I might know what you're kind of talking about.
3: Well, I can tell you in my family that that has happened. I have a a wonderful sister who married a wonderful gentleman who has. He has told her that he loves her every day of his life for the last 30 something years of their marriage and they actually met on a on a blind date mm-hmm. um the he his name is Glenn and Glenn asked my sister Michelle to marry him a week later. Mm-hmm. He said he would have asked her the night they met but he thought it was too soon. Right. Now they've been married for over 30 something years very happily just as affectionate and loving as the day they were. He is a member he he's a vice chair still i think to this day of of the washington county democrats in oregon mm-hmm. and um <clears throat> that dynamic has caused a lot of there 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 were a lot of fights family fights um you know amongst the siblings whenever we had gatherings at my mom's place in california and i certainly got into those at one point you know this was before i became a libertarian which is funny now i agree with him on more things that i don't but um, yeah, from it, th- that didn't affect the relationship. At the time, Glenn was very politically motivated, though he wasn't politically active. That came later in his life. But he was very opinionated. Um, and my sister was very apolitical. And I think that's where the difference is. It's like either, you know, p- when you get together with somebody, at least it was back in the time, you either aligned with them right away and you knew it, or one was more political than the other. And they didn't care. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel like that, you know we're seeing this new dynamic and and from the the <clears throat> single perspective um you know i've heard stories about you know online dating profiles where they say if you're a trump supporter swipe left or yep. i'm a liberal and you shouldn't uh if if you're not a liberal or if you if you think you know trump is great you should probably you know move on and it's funny cuz i feel like that in the research i've seen that it's it's the liberals Self-identifying right. and telling Trump supporters, right. "Don't talk to me." Than it is the other round. I don't know. If, I, I I don't. I haven't heard of any examples of of a of a profile that says, "I'm a Trump supporter." If you supported that 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 darn Obama guy, sure. you shouldn't talk to me. It's just it's it seems very strange how the liberals are the ones that are putting that you know that condition out there, and that and that's of course in the last you know the last year, year and a half, two years. Yeah.
4: And, and, and it, yeah, go ahead. I think that also people are just becoming a lot more emotional about this. You know, I remember back in the day when you and I first started dating, I will admit to it, I was a bleeding-heart liberal. I was a feminazi. <laughs> that is an actual Self-described. term. Self-described. That was an actual, it is an actual term. I'm not making it up. Um, when we first met, and you've always been conservative, and um, my political leanings have slowly— matured and gone in the right direction since then (laughs) but one thing that i'll say is that when as for progressives for people who what's the word what's the word they look at they yeah progressives yeah liberals liberals they essentially um i can't even think right now
2: (laughs) well it's interesting that because i was going to ask you you know when you talk about and neil brought up the the scenario where one person in the couple is very political and cares very much about whatever side they identify with and the other one is more apolitical, is that kind of how, where you were? Because I agree, you were more lefty certainly than you are today, but you also weren't attending Democratic Party rallies or conventions or anything along those lines.
4: I think that's true. I think that people, um, I think that women are more political than they've ever been. In a, quite a while, I think there's a lot of stuff that's going on that makes us a lot more politically aware. And I think people are a lot more dichotomous now as well as they yeah, ever have right. been.
3: Which the is,
2: polarization.
4: Yes. Yeah, yeah.
3: That's the thing is, is that, you know, like you think about um, – is it James Carville and Mary Matlin? Yes. I mean, they're I, they, I thought of that too. They've been married for decades and they work for they strategize for the, you know, for different parties. Right. Yeah. But yet when they come together in their home and their family unit, they're able to work together and right. and from all from all appearances have a fantastic relationship that probably most of us should think about emulating in some ways to be honest. But right. it, it, in this last couple of years, the last, you know, decade or so, definitely the last couple the last two or three years this this inability for people to have discourse to discuss things the the polarization this you know each one stands on top of their intellectual ladders and shouts down at the other right i mean mm-hmm. that's gotten so bad now that that people just you know even in a in a casual relationship are you know are simply incapable of of interacting with somebody who doesn't agree with them completely on certain topics or mm-hmm. or disagrees in some way and mm-hmm. that's that's a little. I mean, that's that's the implications are frightening and go way beyond just relationships.
2: Here's l- let let me try to take it a level deeper because I I think what this signifies is a a breakdown in the capacity to relate to one another yeah. on on a ba- on a values basis. Mm-hmm. In other words, people are trying to shortcut. It's like when we had Maj Touré in here, who's the founder of an organization called Black Guns Matter. And when uh, uh, Xavier Bickett, uh, who's the chair of the Republican Liberty Caucus, first contacted me about getting Maj on the show, I went and I Googled Maj and I watched YouTube videos. And what I was trying to do is I was trying to classify him. I'm like, where's this guy coming from? What's this guy's deal? And I realized after the fact that what I was doing there is something that we all do, which is trying to find shortcuts to judgment. How do I fast track my conclusion about this person so that I don't have to invest any unnecessary time or energy into into figuring out who they are. And on an interpersonal relationship level, that's what these political identifications have become. In other words, you know, when you and I first started dating, Carrie, we obviously, any relationship is based upon a common set of values. Mm -hmm. You realize that you are into the same things or have the same characteristics or have or, or are at the very least are complementary in some way or another. Mm-hmm. And you discover that through conversation, through hanging out, whatever the case may be. People are shortcutting that process of actually getting to know another human being and just cutting straight to are you a Republican or you a Democrat? Yeah. Did, did you vote for Trump or did you vote for Hillary? That's all I need to know to categorize you as worth my time or not and how many potential relationships on any level romantic friendships workplace situations how many relationships are not manifesting that probably could be awesome if people were relating to each other on on the more of of a of an intimate values based level rather than trying to to compartmentalize and categorize each other.
4: I think that's I think that's absolutely true, because when you and I met, we were on pretty much opposite spectrums of the political, you right. know, politically, we were opposite. But our values
0: with the Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
4: We had similar goals, Mm -hmm. and we understood and we respected each other. Even, I don't know if you know this, but Walter happens to be a debater. But so I am shocked. When did this
3: happen, Walter?
4: Are you shocked, Brad? Did you know that?
3: Uh, uh, Being on radio, I kind of figured it.
4: Yeah, maybe. (laughs) But I also happen to be a world-class debater as well. The difference is, is as an idealist, which is what I used to be, I'm a little bit more of a realist now, um, I'd get very emotional about it, and Walter would, as you guys can imagine, you listen to him on the radio, he is really good at coming up with a thesis and his points. But all in all, when we come back around after I would be crying, and and he'd be, <laughs> and he'd be like, "But no, we'd come back together because ultimately, is about us believing in each other and the humans that we are." Well, and no matter how we view things,
2: you you and this is one of the things we're we've lost as a society. You learn about your values, and and how you relate to other people through disagreement.
4: Yeah,
3: Right.
2: More so than through agreement. Well, it's it's when you don't. It's when you have issues with your kids and you have to talk it out. When, you're, when you have disciplinary situations with your kids or when you're arguing as a couple over the money or the finances, sort of, that's when you discover who each other really is and where your values actually lie.
3: Right. Or like the example I gave a family, right? It's, you know, you don't get to get rid of your family. I mean, unless you like do what they do today and divorce people because they're supporters of one or the other. Right. But yeah, I mean, that's, it's, that's totally uh, played out in our case is that despite those differences, I believe that all of us in our family, regardless of political alignment, all share the same or very similar values. And so that's, that's the point, the rallying point, which we can come back to. And so really it just comes down to it's not that you don't care about it. It's just that you think it should be done a different way. And those are things that you can talk about and disagree. And like in our family, you know, I'm very – you know, Glenn is I – th- I think he's about 10 years, maybe a little older than me. He refers to me as his baby brother still to this day which right. you know honestly I don't know how I feel about that cuz I'm 47 and <laughs> yeah. you know I have a, I have a half brother who's 80 years old which is a long story there and Glenn's nowhere close to that but obviously you know we've been able to work through that but that's something that's being lost today and and like you said it's not just marriage relationships or or intimate relationships it's friendships yes. it's just it's it's acquaintances it's casual associations mm-hmm. that are being affected by this just this hyper insanity this this polarization this partisanship you know another reason why i hate the team jerseys is because it helps kind of it helps helps foster this environment
2: yeah absolutely 651 989 your thoughts feelings reactions we'll deal with feelings tonight you can
3: you can be you can just
2: if you just want to call in and cry for a solid (laughs) 15 seconds nothing
3: more than (laughs) feeling there's
2: at least one person in the room who will empathize with you Closing argument, my name's Walter Hudson, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM. Closing argument, my name is Walter Hudson. In studio with me, a couple of guests. One is Neil Lynch. You uh, you know him. You love him. He, he's a player. That's his current title.
3: DJ player.
2: DJ player. He picks the music. <laughs> Actually, that would be Brad Omlin, our producer, who is taking your calls at 651-989-5855. Also in studio with us, my wife, Carrie Hudson. We've been talking about the the state of relationships in the current political culture of polarization where people try to shortcut and uh, compartmentalize you, characterize you exclusively by who you voted for or where you stand in a particular issue and what have you. I want to move to a, a story here that's been getting some attention, uh, deservedly so. This this is a commentary from a website called Jezebel, which I understand to be a, you know, Carrie, you talked about being a former Feminazi. I think this is where the, the headquarters is uh, erected over there
4: Yes, I've at
0: Jezebel.com.
2: Uh, they have an issue with a current rom-com that's out called The Big Sick. And uh, I don't know everything about this movie, but apparently it's good. Apparently it's a good flick. People are enjoying it. They're they're reviewing it favorably. Uh, all I do know of the premise that's relevant to what we're going to talk about right now is that it involves an uh, Indian man and a white woman in a relationship. And the headline... <gasps>
3: I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. That was, he- that was my Bob Jones uh, moment there. Yeah. Excuse me.
2: The headline over at Jezebel is, I'm tired of watching brown men fall in love with white women on screen. And uh, she goes on to, I'm not even going to read it because some of the stuff actually is pretty profoundly offensive. Uh, but you you understand just from the headline, what her perspective is here, that she's basically against Interracial relationships. Now, for the record, this being radio and all, I'm black.
4: No. White.
2: <laughs> I'm I the, think
3: I think you make that up, Walter.
2: <laughs> I'm willing to prove it. You tweeted out earlier my shirt.
3: So oh, that's true. I I don't, don't, there's I, visual evidence.
2: Here's the thing, though. Like you have to weigh the skin color against the actual shirt.
3: Are to you determine whether or not I'm black or not? But here's the question: Are you black enough?
2: Oh, we have to bring Maj back in here.
4: Don Don (laughs) Allen or Jamar
2: can come in here and judge that. We can have a panel. The three of them can judge, and they can vote me off the the Black Island, which let's just pause for a moment to visualize the Black Island. All right. All right. So moving on. (laughs) Moving on. So I'm tired of watching brown men fall in love with white women on screen. So the the implication here is – let me just cut to the chase. Let me cut to the punchline. The left – and I and I've said this on the program before and I stand by it. The left is the natural home for modern racists. Mm-hmm. Unquestionably. What kind like there's there's two types of reactions to interracial couples. One is nothing, right? Maybe, maybe even curiosity of like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what I I wonder what the story is, right? I wonder how they met. I wonder what communities they because that's the thing is. There is there. It's not like there's nothing there conveyed. Like when you see when we were walking around Delano, the Mm -hmm. a a few days ago, 4th of July, we went there to see the fireworks. I saw other interracial couples. And even as a product of and a member in an interracial couple, I pause and I stop and I look and I then the question goes through my head of I wonder how that happened. Right. Like it's just it's something that you think about, but it's innocent. It's just it's just a social curiosity. That's the one end of the spectrum of reaction. The other end of the spectrum of reaction is this here, which is that ain't right for whatever reason. And look, I don't care what your reason is. It's it's nonsense. Whatever your reason is, it's racism. Mm -hmm. Like if you if you have a conviction that this is something that shouldn't be happening, it's because you're a racist. I mean, I think that's pretty safe to say that. And yet. The, the, the difference between the, the racists that are identified as being on the right, and I, and I would classify them as alt-right because mm-hmm. they're something other than the right, and those who are on the left is that those on the left can openly express their racist views, as is done here in this Jezebel article, with no sense of shame and, frankly, not a lot of pushback. Like, people generally accept that it's okay for a black woman yeah. to complain about brown men That's dating right. white women.
3: So this is interesting. I just thought of this when you were talking about that. Is that because gender trumps race, huh? <laughs> trumps <laughs> G- gender overrides race in that kind of discussion? Because if we were talking, if, if there was not a gender, if there wasn't a relationship involved, mm-hmm. would the woman have the same problem with it? But that's, that's kind of the, that's the impression that I get. I don't know if that's correct or not, but I feel like when like groups like Jezebel come out there, their primary focus is they're defending the gender, so it's okay to be racist as long as you're defending the gender. So, okay, which one is it? Is it the gender? Is it the race? So, I mean, you you get, you get what I mean? That just it yeah, feels, it do. feels like that's that's their primary motivation for that. It's still racist.
2: It's it's kind of like when we had uh, Dr. Warren Farrell, the author of the Myth of Male Power, and to talk about the the men's rights movement, and one of the points that he made. Was that he he used to be a feminist. Like it, it, it seems counterintuitive, but as a male, he was an academic involved in the feminist movement back in the day. And it was how he made his money. It was how he made his livelihood. And so he was vested in it heavily. The reason why he left, or the catalyst at least, which led to him eventually leaving the movement and joining this this men's rights movement, which is on the fringes of the discourse, was because there was this internal discussion within feminism. Regarding what position the feminist movement, or the, specifically the National Organization for Women now, should, should take on uh, issues of family court and the, and the custody of children. And the case that Farrell and some of his allies within the, the debate were making is that we ought to be looking at what's best for the kids, right? Like, let's go to the data. Let's go to the research. And is it best for the kids for it to be equal custody? Is it best for the kids for the mothers to be favored in family court or whatever the case may be? And not even addressing the underlying claims there, the default position of the of the establishment within the feminist movement was, no, 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 no. We're not concerned about the kids. We're concerned about the movement we're concerned about what's good for women period, end of story. So we should be default for the mother in any given situation because she's a woman and we're the National organization for women. That's what you're talking about is placing placing whatever your your determ- the determined minority status or oppressed class status that you've identified with, that becomes your your overriding priority above reason, above anybody else's claim, to being a victim legitimate or otherwise right which is pretty perverse and justifies a story like this out of Jezebel where basically she's being a pretty explicit racist
3: well and most what's most perverse of all is that the big sick is is rated 97% on rotten tomatoes right it's pretty pretty good oh have you seen it not yet i okay. mean but it, i've seen the preview i'm just saying 97% is huge so oh yeah absolutely so so so, so the majority of people i mean rotten tomatoes tends to be a pretty decent barometer yes. for you know acceptance or success or failure or or chances you
0: know. are pretty with the Lucky lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere
1: this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky
0: play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Good you're going to like it if it's at 99%. Yeah, and so the fact that they like it, but Jezebel comes out against it or talks about it, that's, you know, hey, I'm going to go with Rotten Tomatoes over Jezebel in this case.
2: Well, she even, the author of this piece even begins by saying, she says, the big sick has been roundly lauded in the press lately, including here at Jezebel and not without good reason. And then she goes to to list the reasons why people like it, which just kind of goes to show,
3: that she's got to be the
2: odd she's got to be the party pooper right, right? she's got to uh, rain on the parade
3: everybody likes this but i'm gonna go set it on fire anyway
2: uh, yeah right <laughs> because i'm a racist 651-989-5855 <laughs> nine, nine, five, five, five. the number to join us kevin will get to you when we return closing argument my name is walter hudson neil lynch and carrie hudson in studio with us twin cities news talk am 11:30 fm twin cities news <laughs> relationships and politics and the shifting dynamic between the two. That's what we've been talking about tonight on Closing Argument. My name is Walter Hudson. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, FM. You can catch us on this air 9 to 11 weeknights every single weeknight. TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com and your iHeartRadio app. Two ways to stream the program if you miss a show and you just have to know what happened, what was said, what rant I went on, Spreaker. Spreaker.com, the Spreaker app. That's the way to catch up on the program. 651-989-5855, the number to join us. Brad Omelin producing the show, taking your calls. Let's go to Kevin in St. Paul. Welcome to the program.
5: Yeah, hey, everybody. Um, Kind of the way I see it is this, and I think this is true about absolutely everybody, every human being that we all know. There's three groups of people in your life. There's a very small group of people who you relate to you associate with you like and you want to have them as friends there's also a really really small group of people who you just find offensive you don't like them you don't want to be around them and there's nothing that's going to change that and then there's a huge huge group of people who you don't know you probably never will know You don't feel good about them. You don't feel bad about them. They're just the people that you walk by every day in life, and you might smile and wave high, and you might hold the door for them, and they might hold the door for you or whatever. But here's the problem, and I, I blame the government hugely for this, and I blame the Democrats especially hugely for this. Everything has turned into a social issue, and the government feels it's their place to determine what you will or won't like in your life, and they're going to put it right up in your face 24 hours a day. There's no such thing as running a bakery where you bake cakes for the people you want to bake cakes for. You're going to be forced under law to bake cakes for everybody, whether you like them or not, whether you agree with their lifestyle or not, whether you don't agree with their lifestyle or not. You're going to have it in your face, and you're going to be forced to choose to either like or dislike a huge group of people who you otherwise would have been perfectly fine with, would have got along with, would have had casual relationships with. You know, your next-door neighbor, you might have said, hey, you know, how you doing today, and see ya, and you would never would have seen them again other than that, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. But no, the government just won't let you do that. And And on top of that, all of the social aspects of our society and the media are the same. They just aren't going to let you... Be on a casual, good
2: relationship with people. They're going to put it in your face. Here's, an, here's a one-word description of what you just said. Intolerance. Intolerance. That's where we're at. We're, we're at a point where, and, and I appreciate the call, Kevin, we're at a point where because of the amount of power, and this is the part which a lot of people seem to miss, and I don't understand why because to me it's really obvious and fundamental. Because of the amount of power that we have vested in government at all levels, the stakes have risen to the point where people feel as though their capacity to survive and thrive depends upon the outcome of an election or the outcome of a a legislative contest or a bill being passed or, or failing or whatever the case may be. And when you, when you exist at that level of panic all the time over political outcomes and electoral outcomes, of course, it's going to bleed over into your social relationships.
3: Yep. I can, see, I mean, I, 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 can get, you know, I, and I, I've seen some of what Kevin's talking about, right? You know, because, because everything is becoming so politicized, it's only natural that relationships become that way. And you know, as far as the government pushing that agenda, I mean, there's certainly places, and it, and it goes both ways, right? I mean, let's, you know, every time you talk about the Democrats pushing an agenda of something, I always think about. Um, I forget the commission it was that put together that that definition of pornography in the 80s, where the definition was basically I'll know pornography when I see it. Right. It's just like you I mean. So so morality is something that that government tries to push either through the tax code or through government programs or through outright legislation. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess I I see that point though that Kevin was kind of alluding to was that because the stakes are so high in everything that yeah, it makes perfect sense that if if you perceive a certain outcome as being like survival, then yeah, you're going to fight for it and you're going to oppose anybody who doesn't support that. And, right. and, and one example is I have a lot of Facebook friends who are in Los Angeles because I'm from Los Angeles and I have a lot of Facebook friends who are in the entertainment industry. Either they are actors themselves or they're actually parents of child actors or they actually work behind the camera. And so to read their posts and to read the desperation they have, they, they exude that perfectly. Right. And I know these are good people. I, I don't disparage any of them, but I can understand their point of view from there. The world coming come crashing down right. because of this dictator Trump. Right. It's like I'd love to say, hey, by the way, if you – if you shrunk government altogether, nobody would ever have that much power. That's right. But of course, the problem you get into the whole thing of well, it's it's only bad when it's the other guy in charge, blah That's blah right. blah. But still, they have some point. And I, I but I see that it, from from them as I mean, they're they're in a, like you said, they're in a huge panic about how you know how, how's how's this world going to be better. You know, what are my children going to grow up in? Right. I mean, they, it's it's they're desperate.
2: Yeah, and and I think we'd be remiss if we didn't point out that. That sense of panic—and this is going to sound extraordinarily partisan, but it happens to be true—that sense of panic on one side is ridiculous and on the other side is wholly justified, right? Because because it all—no, listen, it all comes down to the worldview that you espouse, right? The reason why the stakes are so high is, be, is because each side, generally speaking, is approaching this from two totally conflicting worldviews. One is, is the, the conservative slash Republican libertarian in theory, right. libertarian theory of things, which is I am in ownership of my life. Mm-hmm. I get to pursue my values as I define them in order to do so. The prerequisite is the condition of liberty, meaning that I'm free from the initiation of force of other human beings, the non-aggression principle, right, right. to, to, to distill it into something that libertarians uh, refer to off the cuff. That's the one side. And, and you know, th- if you believe that, if you hold that to be true, then the initiation of force as prescribed by the left is a clear and present threat to your capacity to obtain and keep values. And so you probably ought to be panicked about the emergence of Obamacare. You probably ought to be panicked about the expansion of the surveillance state or whatever the case may be. Now, conversely, on the left, they've bought into this worldview whereby they believe that they're being cheated in some way by by the wealthy, by the powerful, by the corporations, and that their capacity to obtain and keep values is defined through wealth redistribution. In other words, there's a pie of stuff out there. These guys have more than their share, and the only way we're going to get what we properly deserve is by taking it from them. And they, they've bought into that. They're sold out to that worldview. And so in their minds... Any threat to making progress along that axis is equally panic-inducing because if, if the Republicans win, if Trump wins, which he did, then it's the end of the world. We're not going to see justice in our time, right? And if there's injustice somewhere, there's injustice everywhere, you know, all these slogans that they throw out. It's totally understandable why the, the panic is there. Uh but I think what we need to cut to is that it's it's not enough just to say, hey guys, we all need to calm down and get along, which seems to be the the line that gets thrown out. In the in the aftermath of that congressional shooting that took place at the baseball game, the the stock line was we need to calm down and we need to be more peaceful and we need to be tolerant and we need to get along. What we what we need to realize in order to actually achieve that is that there is no shortcut to calming things down. The prerequisite to calming things down is is actually achieving the condition of liberty. Because the t- to Kevin's point, the way you get to a, a society where you could disagree with somebody, and, and talk, we were talking earlier about romantic relationships and how pe- people are divorcing each other with or Trump and what have you. How is it that in the past, people have been able to disagree with one another, with one another and yet still be friends, still be spouses, still be coworkers, whatever the case may be. It was because disagreeing with somebody didn't really matter all that much right? right you just you just had different opinions mm-hmm. and there were no there was no consequence to somebody else having a different opinion from you because that's called tolerance
3: right or yeah like that uh, that critic that's been banned from a number of theaters because of that negative re- I, and I just heard about the story earlier today it was on I heard it on on one of your sister radio stations on KFan uh-huh. but, uh but Dan Barrera was talking about it and I don't remember the exact details off the top of my head but there's a case of where a a theater critic was essentially banned by several theaters because she gave what was considered an improper, inappropriate review of some play. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know the details to it, but that's kind of the world you get into, right? If, like you said, disagreement doesn't have consequences, but in this case, but now disagreement has consequences. If you don't, if I, if I don't say what you think I should say, or if I disagree with your opinion, I'll just, Ban you and block you. It's like kind of like the Facebook thing writ large to a certain degree.
2: Well, and, and, and again, the reason why differences of opinion have consequences is because of the amount of power that we've vested in government. Yep. If we scaled back on the power that government has, then the differences in opinion wouldn't be so consequential because you could think whatever you want. You just don't get to hold a gun to my head and force me to go along with it. Right. Closing argument, this is Walter Hudson. Neil Lynch and Kerry Hudson in studio with us tonight. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. So there are a number of stories that I would like to get your guys' reactions to. Unfortunately, I know from past experience that we're just not going to get to the vast majority of them. So so before we even go in that direction, we we may get to one or two I want, we'd be remiss, having Neil Lynch on the program, we'd be remiss if we didn't get into a little bit of entertainment talk, a little bit of, of nerd discussion. So we're going to uh, move forward with that a little bit. Closing argument, my name is Walter Hudson, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM. As the, as, uh, the aforementioned, uh, Neil Lynch is in studio with us. Also, my wife, Carrie Hudson, is joining us. We've been talking about relationships and politics. We went to go see, we took the kids to go see Wonder Woman recently Mm -hmm. and you know having small children we don't get to go out and see movies too often and you know it we it would be nice I really enjoy film uh quite a bit and I we almost never get to go out and see a movie we got to pick them and choose them Wonder Woman how did how did you what did you think of Wonder Woman from the context of the feminist perspective of, like, a strong woman. Like, when you were watching it, did you, did anything go through your head in terms of this is good for women that I'm watching this movie led by a female?
4: You know what my my honest reaction was? Um, I'm like, this is so American feminism right here. Here's this powerful woman, superhuman, wearing nothing <laughs> consistently along with all the other and women. God of the island. bless her for that. I mean, and yes, is she beautiful? Yes, and that that outfit was amazing. But she literally was naked most of the film, and that kept on. That was an ongoing joke throughout the film. But yes, I think it's. I think it's just something that we you, you see with feminism. You know, I want to show my body. Don't look at my body. Right.
2: Right. 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 right.
4: <laughs> so. So I mean, is that
2: is that
3: so that is an actual thing? Is that I remember years ago. Okay, I'm sorry. segue here. Years and years and years ago, when I was a wee lad, um, just past the adulthood stage, I was in a health club. Yes, I have I've actually frequented health clubs before. Don't judge. But I was walking by a woman who had this incredibly revealing gym suit on. She was like on the phone talking to somebody. This is an actual like phone attached it's to a wall. A leotard. Mm-hmm. No, no, it wasn't a leotard. It was like sweats. That had big gashes. And this is in like 80s, 90s, right? And I I'm, I, I, caught myself staring at her as I walked past because I'm trying to figure out what this is. But she's like, don't look at me. And she tried to like ha- report me to somebody because this jerk was looking at me.
4: She's classy.
3: Don't look at me. Look at me. Don't look at me. Look at me. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, yeah. But getting back to Gal Gadot, <clears throat> I'm just going to stop. I just said everything I need to say there. That's all. I'm, I'm good.
2: What what I found interesting about Wonder Woman, which I'm just gonna push past where
4: the was going. <laughs> it really hurt him, clearly. <laughs> from a from
2: a from a feminism perspective, I, I found Wonder Woman to be and I take your point and you're right about how there's there's limitations to what like for instance, a character like Jen Urso from the most recent uh Star Wars movie, um Rogue One, she strong female character. Mm-hmm completely clad like there was no point at which there was any sort of exploitation of her beauty or her body Yeah, and she didn't even
4: have that much makeup on that's even the best part right
2: and and that that hasn't been consistent another example that popped in my head just now is hunger games but she had her moments but they were usually narrative in nature it's like she and they
4: were purposeful about it they were like look at what we just did to her (laughs) huh and then she made fun of herself while she was all done up
2: but at any rate if you if you set that aspect of Wonder Woman aside what i really appreciated about it is i felt as though this is what feminism ought to look like because what she does in that film is she doesn't she's not doing none of the things she does is done as as a statement on gender mm-hmm. like she doesn't she doesn't do what she does as a woman she's she, single minded just saving the world yeah she just does what she does because <laughs> she wants to yep. she's not asking for it
3: like Stewie Griffin Hey, you know, just a guy, just a saving the world, man. Just hanging out, having a good time, you know.
2: <laughs> that's that's right. She she's not asking for permission, and she's also not asking for acknowledgement nope. for what she just accomplished as a woman. Nope. You know, she's just doing it. Yep. And to me, that's what that's what feminism properly ought to be is the notion that we shouldn't be paying so much mind to these distinctions. It's the same thing with race. You know, there's this uh, this interchange between. Uh, why can't I think of his name off the top of my head? The guy who does all the, the voiceovers and what have you. Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman and uh, some, some big uh, reporter, Wallace something. Anyway, one, Morgan Freeman, obviously black. Wallace, white. And they're talking with each other about Black History Month. And they kind of get into it because Morgan Freeman's point is I don't want a Black History Month. Why are you relegating my history to a month? Why are you making a big deal out of this whole black-white thing? And what he ends up saying is, why why can't I just be Morgan Freeman and you be Mr. Wallace instead of me being a black guy and you being a white guy? like why why can't we get to the point where we're focused on the the actual values rather than the identity that from from which the values are springing? And you know that's what I, anyway, that's what I really appreciated about the presentation of Wonder Woman, and it's evocative of. Previous female uh, popular f- fiction characters like Princess Leia, for instance, is another example. Even though it was 30 years prior, 40 years prior, she was also a character that was not doing any of the things that she was doing because she wanted to prove herself as a girl. Yeah. She was doing it because she had a fight that she believed in and that she wanted to pursue. And she just plowed forward. She didn't ask anybody permission. She never asked anybody for permission. And she certainly wasn't asking for approval after the fact. She had her mind made up and and went after
3: it. I mean, despite my, you know, obviously glowing review of Gal Gadot just as an actress and as a human being and her existence and everything. Huh. The fact of the matter is it was a really good movie for the point you mentioned is that I enjoyed the movie. And all joking aside, I didn't sit there and think too much about the fact that. It was a woman in this lead role, like especially that one scene where she's she she gets out when they're on the trenches, and she gets out and goes up to the German yeah. uh, side and, and it has the shield going, and suddenly the guys are like, "Hey, wait a second, we can we can attack them now. They're distracted, right? Yeah. I mean, that to, to me that was like they're a moment
2: shooting before. at the girl. Yeah, let's we're, go. We're,
3: that's, <laughs> pretty much, that's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> boy, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, never mind. It's, I'm just gonna yeah, stop. Okay. Stop and eh. Please discontinue your season. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, um, just, so I'll just jump in here. Game of Thrones, uh, a little over a week away. Um, Very excited. Only going to be seven episodes, I think. Um, They start July, I think it's the 17th, whatever that Sunday is, and they go through August 27th, which is my birthday. And as I've said before many times, I will not be watching the last – I won't watch the last episode of this season live because I'll be at the state fair. Probably with you hanging out, eating my body weight in turkey to go and Sweet Martha's cookies. There you go. Not necessarily in that order.
2: Yeah, those. those the, I I found that not to in any way disparage Sweet Martha's, but I found that the idea of Sweet Martha's is always better than the actuality of Sweet Martha's.
3: I think I I tend to agree with you there. It's uh, it's it's always nice to talk about, but I can't tell you the number of times I've actually purchased a bucket of those cookies and came home Yeah, probably once in my life. In all the years I've lived in Minnesota and gone to the state fair. So anyway, so yeah, that's, but that's from a nerd perspective. That's all I, you know, that's all I care about. Uh, Silicon Valley, the uh, series ended the season four, I think it was. Excellent as usual, a very good um, show, lots of ups and downs. It's created by the same gentleman who made Office Space. So it's like the Office Space take on the tech industry in California, and it's beautiful. So, um, and I did actually, I do actually own a fidget spinner now. We talked oh, about yeah. fidget spinners. Yeah. I was at a trade show in, Ch- in Chicago earlier in June, and one of the one of the booths was giving them away his freebies. Mm-hmm. So now I've got one, and you know I use it, and you know my son Nelson steals it from me once in a while. So mm-hmm. it's like it's a thing now. It's it's a it's a real thing. It's just it's that it's that the, it's that feel when you spin it right it's I mean it's just it's a bunch of ball bearings with with little things on it but that that the the touch the feel of it as you're I don't know what the word I'm looking for when you spin it mm. it's 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 beautiful that's why people get excited about this and like there's YouTube videos of people doing weird things with them like flipping them and like hacky sacking them while they're still spinning it's things that it would take me 50 years to do it my age, and my son could do it in five minutes kind of stuff. It's but the yo-yo of the future. It's it's to- Yes, that's perfect. It's the yo-yo of the future.
2: Yeah, I got you. We've we finally arrived. We don't have hoverboards, but we do have fidget spinners. Somehow I would rather live in uh, the Hollywood version of the situation <laughs> with my flying car and whatnot. But I suppose we have to take what we can get. That's right. Uh, of the stories that we may have gotten into had we the time, this is the one I want to touch upon in our last uh, minute and a half here because it's illustrative of something we were talking about earlier from the Star Tribune, Minnesota has joined 17 States and the district of Columbia in suing us secretary of education, Betsy DeVos for rescinding a rule that would have let students sue for profit colleges. If they thought the schools had defrauded them. Now cutting to the chase here, just due to time, we talked earlier about, wouldn't it be brilliant if the Republicans in the healthcare debate suggested, Hey, Hey, you know what? You, you want to get rid of this tax cut and you want to reinstate the tax cut? Fine. We'll, we'll do wealth redistribution. But the condition is we're going to get rid of the bureaucracy and the limitations in healthcare, And people are actually going to have their money that, that we distribute to them and they're going to be able to choose how to use it in a free market. I think in a similar sense, a genius move, a gangster move that Betsy DeVos could make here would be like, you know what? I'll, I'm totally cool with reversing this rule and letting students sue their colleges but it ain't just going to be for profit. It's going to be the state schools, and it ain't just going to be colleges. It's going to be K through twelve. It's going to be up and down the line. Anybody who has a, who thinks they've been defrauded by their educator gets to sue. How do you like them apples?
3: That would that would obviously expose them for what their real agenda is, which is getting rid of for profit universities.
2: That's exactly right. If they actually care about the education, then they would be for that proposal. But they don't. They care about. Going after people who are trying to make money. Closing argument Neil Lynch, Gary Hudson joining me tonight. My name is Walter Hudson. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130,
1: FM. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Haha, in my dentist's office.